Thank you so much, family. It is such an honor to be able to be here with you this morning. It really is. This is such a blast. This is awesome. Today really is a special day, as is tomorrow, but we're going to celebrate it today, Memorial Day. It really does give us the ability to honor those that really made the ultimate sacrifice for us to have the freedom to be able to be here this morning and worship freely the way that we can without any form of persecution for where we're at. It's a beautiful thing. So we really wanna take that time to honor those and the families that really gave that ultimate sacrifice. So will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, God, we are just so thankful for you. We are so thankful for all that you're doing in this church, in this family, God, in our hearts, in our lives. We're so thankful for it, God. But right now we wanna say thank you for those that made the ultimate sacrifice for this country and for our freedom, God. To give us the ability to be able to be here this morning and, and to love you and honor you and worship you and we're so thankful for that, God. But we wanna pray for those that do have broken hearts during this time. Those that are missing their, their mothers or their fathers or their brothers and sisters, God. We wanna pray for them. We wanna pray for their hearts, God. And we ask that you just, just give them love. Lift them up, God. Allow them to feel your presence today, Lord. God, right now I wanna pray over this message, that this be you speaking through me, God, and that I just step back. Allow this to be for your glory, God. This is all for you. Every bit of this that we're all doing together here, God, we're here ultimately for you. You are our king, and we bow to you, God. It's in the mighty and merciful name of our king, our savior, Lord Jesus Christ, that I pray. Amen. All right, family. So full transparency, right? That's what we're about here at church, being fully transparent, right? I'm terrified up here. I'm absolutely terrified. My palms are cold. I'm going into shock. It was rough. This morning, as I was getting ready, my son came in the closet, and uh, as he saw me, you know, looking pale, mortified, like I was getting ready for my own funeral, he asked me, he said, Dad, you've been to Iraq. You've been shot at. And you're more terrified of this? And I said, absolutely. I will take bullets whizzing past my ears all day long over public speaking. <laughs> this is not something I have planned. This is not something that I wanted to be. I'm, I'm, I've always been extremely introverted. So being up here is extremely different for me. Every time I do it, I feel like I'm pending death. But I'm here because I chose to say yes. I chose to say yes when God presents those open doors to me. He saved my life. He saved me from that person, that prison that I was locked in. So I can't say no. I'll never say no to him. So if he keeps placing me in these positions, in these situations, I'll keep being terrified, but I'll find the strength through the grace that has been given to me to be able to make my way through it. So this message that I was given is completely different from the one that I was gonna give originally. I did an expository preaching class last semester, so I already built up a sermon. I presented it to the class, got a great grade, so I thought I nailed it and I was ready. But about two and a half weeks ago, I was in prayer and he had a different plan. 
Because I was so comfortable with that message, I feel like he wanted me to get a little more uncomfortable because we know that's where the growth comes, right? So I gotta go in the fire. I didn't know ultimately what he was gonna give, but he told me that I needed to speak about divine grace. So I threw myself into it, redid it all, and said, God, this is gonna be you, not me. So that's the message that I wanna give this morning, is on divine grace. But before I give it, I wanna start with a little opening story. So it was about six or seven years ago my wife and I uh, made our way to church for the first time. Um, I accepted an invitation from a good friend, Eddie Hoekstra. I was at jiu-jitsu class one morning, and he said, uh, you know, we got this pastor that's making his way out, new pastor coming in. Uh, would you like to come to church? And I accepted the invitation. Um, as I made my way through those doors, I was absolutely filled with anxiety. This is the last place I wanted to be. We made our way down the pew. We actually sat right over there, my wife and I. And as we sat down, we made our way through the worship and announcements and everything. And I was just trying to look for a way out. I was looking at doors. My, I didn't want to be here. And then I see this new pastor making his way upstate on the stage. And he looked terrified, much like I do now. And I thought to myself, man, that guy's got a great hairline <laughs> and a pair of skinny jeans that look like they're cutting off all circulation. <laughs> you guys all know who that is. <laughs> so I made my way through the message, but I gotta say, I didn't take anything from it. I left here that morning and continued right back in my sin. You see, I was completely comfortable and content with the way that I was living. I had a high school diploma, which I only obtained because I signed up for the military. I was medically retired from the military, so I didn't think I needed anything else. I was just gonna continue in life the way that I was going. But it was about two years later that I had an experience. I had an experience with God. I had an experience with grace. And this morning, family, that's what I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about something that has the potential to change your lives forever as well. And I'm talking about divine grace. So what is divine grace? Divine grace is the love and mercy that God shows us even though we don't deserve it. It's the most powerful and profound concept in Christianity, but most of us take it for granted. When we think about grace, we may think of unmerited favor, a gift that comes freely without conditions, and that's true, but it's also so much more than that. God's grace is the reason why we're all here today. It's the reason why we're able to stand before him forgiven and redeemed despite our many sins and imperfections. It's a reason why we're able to experience the fullness of his love and mercy and have hope for a better future. And God's not offended by who you are, where you're from, your social status, or what you've done in the past. He wants to use you, he wants to use you, he wants you, and he wants to use you. Divine grace will take you places you never imagined yourself capable of going. It will give you the ability and strength 
to make it through the most terrifying situations and the willingness to endure it for God. So today, we're gonna dive into 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3. And I wanna start by talking about how divine grace will make you comfortable with being uncomfortable. So chapter two, verse one. You then, my child, be strengthened by the, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's crazy because I talk about as soon as my feet hit that podium, my mouth goes instantly dry. <laughs> instantly. So Paul is speaking to Timothy about this divine grace. Paul is reminding Timothy to recall the divine grace and to be strengthened for it and allow, it, allow God to build him up for where God is trying to use him. So Timothy's been placed in the church at Ephesus in a place of leadership. Paul's encouraging Timothy in these letters while also coaching him for where God is trying to use him. We all need this kind of level of encouragement from time to time in our faith. So 2 Timothy is Paul's final letter to Timothy. He wrote this while pending his execution. But Paul's concern was not for his own life. Paul's concern was for the church and church leadership. Paul knows what Timothy is enduring and is gonna continue to endure in the future. And we have all faced times like these in our faith. The distractions, the busyness of life, the weight of this world, our desire to fit in and not face rejection. These things can easily take our attention away from the divine grace that we've all been given. Everything we have, we have by grace through faith. And when we recall that grace and build our strength through the recollection of that grace, our willingness to be comfortable with being uncomfortable will continue to grow. God can't use us if we stay in a place of fear. If we don't have a willingness to place ourselves in those uncomfortable places and situations, we won't be able to grow. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Paul encourages Timothy in these letters to be bold in the faith. Family, we must be capable of doing the same. We all, we all have been given grace, and a remembrance of that grace will build our faith and strengthen us to endure this world. Paul and the rest of the apostles knew the strength that would be necessary to carry on the faith. Paul faced many persecutions for the faith, as did the rest of the martyrs. But how comfortable are we to walk over to our neighbor's house and share the faith? We run from the idea of rejection. A lot of us have the, a problem with even mentioning the Lord's name during particular social gatherings. But Paul's encouraging us to be strengthened for these types of situations through the grace that has been given to us. We don't have a willingness to be uncomfortable. But family, I'm here to say we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. The apostles had to be comfortable with uncomfortable situations. The word apostle is from the Greek apostolos, 
which means person sent and family, we're all being sent. In Matthew 10, 5 through 24, Jesus sent his 12 disciples to the house of Israel, which was Jewish communities, to proclaim that Jesus was their Messiah. Now, how uncomfortable must that have been for those apostles to go into these communities and redefine what the, who the Messiah is and ultimately present that the Messiah is here now? The Jews were expecting a war hero, but Jesus preached, love your enemies. And the Bible is filled with people who have been comfortable with being uncomfortable. Moses had a problem with the speech. Jeremiah told God he didn't know how to speak and he was too young for where God was trying to use him. Jonah was tasked with preaching to the Ninevites who were a terrifying group of murderous pagans. And these are just a few of the examples of people who didn't believe themselves to be equipped for where God's trying to use them. But family, God does the equipping. By his divine grace, we are called for his purpose. And he gives us everything we need to complete the mission at hand. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So while in verse one, we see Paul speaking to Timothy about finding strength in the divine grace, but check this out. As we go into verse two, we're gonna see Paul talk about the importance of faithful discipleship. Now, when we speak about faithful discipleship, we're talking about the integrity of the gospel and entrusting that to men and women who are gonna uphold it faithfully. So divine grace calls you into faithful discipleship. Chapter two, verse two says, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So God had entrusted the gospel to Paul through Christ himself. Paul had his own experience with divine grace through meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. So check this out. We're going to head back to chapter 1, verse 12, where Paul talks about, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the de that day what has been entrusted to me. So what has been entrusted to Paul? Paul is also carrying on and entrusting to Timothy, who is to carry on and entrust into faithful men. Now, when Paul says faithful men, he's not talking about the, most, the strongest of men. He's not talking about the most charismatic of men. He's not talking about the most intellectual of men. He's talking about faithful men who will carry on and teach others also faithfully. Faithful men maintain the integrity of the gospel. So these men and women live the gospel in all aspects of their life while teaching the Bible in its full context. Not cherry picking, which cherry picking is the action or practice of choosing and taking only the most beneficial or profitable items. 
or falling into things like Hobby Lobby faith, <laughs> which only shows inspirational verses that are taken out of the context. Or things like prosperity gospel that twist God's word to suit our lives in the way we want to prosper, whether that be physically or financially. It's manipulating God's word into the way we want to live rather than living our lives according to God's word in the way he wants us to live. So this awesome theologian, uh, Dr. Ben W. says, and I said W. because I don't got that last name. Uh, A text without context is a pretext for whatever you want it to be. So you could take a text out of its full context and make it a pretext into whatever you want it to become. So the way that I want to explain it is is you could take a whole pumpkin pie and you could cut a slice out of that pumpkin pie and toss it into an apple pie and then try and call that, that apple pie a pumpkin pie. That's pretty much what you're doing there. You're taking something that is not in its original context and what it was supposed to be and trying to create something else. That's how spinoffs happen of different cults and things like that that could be created from these texts. So we want to make sure that everything's being taught in its full context. That's the integrity of the gospel. So when picking and choosing specific passages from the Bible that suit how you feel for that day, this is taking scripture out of its context. It was initially intended to be used as. Scripture is meant to be read in its whole context or we could distort it into whatever we want it to be. Faithful men and women present the gospel in its full context and allow God to do the work. So what is discipleship? Thank you for asking. (laughs) Passing the faith from generation to generation or within the community, and this is not a single step. It's a multi-generational and community process. We need to reach others who will take this message and reach out to even more. This is called discipleship. So Paul says, uh, who will be able to teach others also. So what Paul's talking about is the importance of the gospel's integrity and discipleship from the top down. So from Jesus to the apostles, to our forefathers in the faith, to us, and so on. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So quick story. So faithful discipleship was Eddie Hoekstra teaching me about Jesus when I didn't know anybody else in the faith. So I had that initial experience with God But because I didn't know Jesus, I spun off and started moving towards spirituality and some other crazy things. So I started watching videos about um, obtaining enlightenment, talked about Christ consciousness, all these different things. And I would go to jujitsu and present those to Eddie. And I remember one day in particular, I come to Eddie and I say, hey Eddie, I watched this cool video and uh, have you ever thought maybe Jesus is like a, a nomad yogi. A yogi is somebody that practices yoga and tries to obtain a certain level of enlightenment. And right when I saw the look in Eddie's eyes, I knew I'd messed up. (laughs) Eddie looked as though he wanted to slap me. And right away, he rebuked me right there in, in my path and said, Jesus doesn't need to do yoga. He's God. 
So it was in that moment I realized, okay, I need to take this back home and maybe revisit this a bit. So I left and I thought about that. And it's because of faithful men who kept the gospel's integrity like that that I'm able to be where I am now and share the gospel properly with my family, with my community, my children. So in these previous passages, we talked about being strengthened by the grace. We talked about the importance of the integrity of the gospel and discipleship. So now Paul is gonna go into the importance of sharing in the suffering. Christianity is not easy, family. We all know this. This will take strength because we're called to share our faith and suffering as good soldiers for Christ. So in the next verse, we visit this idea. Chapter two, verse three. Share in the suffering as a good soldier for Christ, of Christ Jesus. So divine grace calls you to the privilege of suffering for Christ. This is a privilege. Paul knew suffering would come with being in Jesus. So many of us have dealt with rejection, abandonment, and we've been taken advantage of. We've dealt with many different types of suffering since we've been in Christ. As a soldier, hardship became a way, a part of my daily life. But I was never alone in that suffering. I had my comrades to share in that suffering with me every day, and it made it feel a lot better to have somebody there to share in that suffering with. Paul asked Timothy to join him in the suffering. He doesn't say to suffer alone. A soldier creates a bond with those who he's suffering with because there's a greater cause for the suffering. As a soldier, we don't take the call to every to. We don't join in the everyday suffering. We don't take the call to join in everyday suffering lightly. We make a sacrificial commitment because we know that we don't have the option of quitting. We know that there's a higher purpose at the end of that suffering. So during my time in the military, my willingness to suffer came from my desire to please the one who had enlisted me for a particular mission. And this gentleman's name was Sergeant Major George. Sergeant Major George enlisted me for his personal security detail. And back then, that was a big deal. It was huge. He was one of the highest ranking Sergeant Majors in Iraq at the time. And when he called me to be a part of his personal security detail, I was completely honored. But I wasn't honored because of his rank. I was honored because of the person that he was. During our training for the Iraq mission, we trained daily with Sergeant Major. And I got to see his character come through. He was genuine, caring, loving, and funny, much like I would picture a good father to be. We grew a bond as a team, and as a high-ranking NCO, he didn't have to participate in this training with us. He just had to trust that we were going to protect him. He spent countless hours with us, sweating, going through these, this grueling training with 100 pounds of gear on at a time, and it was brutally hot. We did it in Doniana, Texas. That place was so dry and stale, it was horrible. Once we got to country, it was about our first weekend, we got to Iraq, 
um, we had our first mission to take Sergeant Major uh, to an orphanage in Baghdad. And maybe about partway through, maybe two quarters, maybe halfway through, we got nailed by a, a roadside bomb, IED. And this thing took out a huge chunk of the road. It was giant. And I remember the, the cloud. I remember the thud in my chest. I remember hearing the debris falling on the trucks. But the thing that I remember the most was the panic and the fear that set in. I remember going through all the different scenarios in my head about what can happen. This is stuff that I had only seen in movies or maybe gone through in training, but I was only 19 at the time, so this was new for me. All those scenarios just created more panic and fear, but then I hear Sergeant Major's voice come over the radio, and he's checking on his trucks, and he's checking on his people. And again, this is not stuff he had to do. The TCs would have done that. The truck commanders would have done that, but he wanted to do it. He cared for us like that. When I heard his voice over that radio, it brought such a calm to my storm. I knew I was gonna be okay. Eventually, I see him get out of the truck and he's got a smile on his face and you know, he's just being happy. He's happy Sergeant Major. And it's at that moment I realize I am so willing to give my life for that individual. I am so fortunate to be a part of his security detail because he is just a wonderful man. You see, Sergeant Major didn't have to leave his truck in that moment. He was the first one to get out. He didn't have to. He could have stayed in his truck in the area of, in his safety little net right there in the truck and let us fight for him. But he got out, just like he got into the training with us. He was willing to get in the fight with us his character and how he loved us as sons gave me the boldness to suffer for him, even lay down my life for him. This experience reminds me of the God that we serve and his willingness to fight alongside us. He will not leave you to fight this fight alone. He chooses to leave his throne, come down beside us and fight with us. That's the God we serve, family. The Lord brings peace to our storm. He calms our fears and anxieties. We grow in our willingness to suffer for him because we know that as long as we abide in him, we're safe, we're gonna be okay. So while reading this verse, I not only had a theological understanding of what I was reading, but I had hands-on experience to know what it is to suffer for my commander. And family, I believe that Jesus is inviting you into this very same reality. So how will you respond to the invitation from your heavenly father and commander who's enlisted you into his army? <laughs> will you accept the divine grace with a willingness to follow? If you understand the love and power of Jesus Christ, you will accept this enlistment and ask, what's my mission? Jesus will take you places you never thought you were capable of going. He will use you in ways you never thought possible. And we see countless, we see countless examples of God's grace at work in the Bible. We see it in the story of Noah who was saved from the flood despite the wickedness of the world around him. We see it in the story of Peter where he denies Jesus three times, yet he's restored and forgiven. We see it in the story of the prodigal son 
who squandered his inheritance but was welcomed back to the Father with open arms. These stories are a testament to the power and depth of God's grace. They remind us that no matter where we, who we are, where we've been, God's love is unconditional and unfailing. You can't even imagine where God will take you if you put your faith in him and just follow. Allow Jesus to strengthen you with his divine grace. So at the beginning of my sermon, I talked about how adamant I was that I would never be that guy. I never wanted to be up here. When I saw Logan up here, I wanted no part of that. But family, here I am. Being that guy minus the skinny jeans and good hairline. <laughs> By the grace of God, I've completed my undergrad in Christian ministry, and I'm one year away from obtaining my seminary degree and obtaining my master's in divinity now. I placed limitations on my life because I was comfortable and content. But God tells us, I formed you. I know what you're capable of and incapable of. I'm sending you where I need you. I'm gonna give you all the words to speak. Just say yes. Stop putting limitations on a limitless God. Divine grace took me from the pew to the pulpit. Where will he take you? Learn to say yes even when you're afraid of the mission. He's calling you to accept his will over your lives. Begin by saying yes to Christ. So maybe this is your first time at church and you want to accept Christ as your savior. Or maybe you can begin by saying yes to sharing your faith with your neighbor or someone you love. Say yes to joining a Bible study or an activity group. Or you can begin to mentor somebody who's new to the faith. Come alongside them, guide them. Come to celebrate recovery on Wednesday nights and join us in the growth of being transparent and vulnerable with your brothers and sisters. <laughs> this walk with Christ really is such a beautiful process, family. It's progressive, and I love every bit of it. Even though it's terrifying at times, he gives you all the grace to make it through it, I promise. We serve a God who formed us, he knows us, and he knows exactly how to work with us so that he can work through us. So start by saying yes to being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Say yes to faithful discipleship. Say yes to the privilege of suffering for King Jesus. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you we thank you for the grace that you have given us, God. We thank you that you place us into these uncomfortable situations. You give us the ability to be able to make it through it, God. You place people before us that you need us to minister to, God. You use us as tools, God, for your glory. God, continue to help us to grow in that, God. Help us to never become stagnant in our relationship with you, God. We know that growth comes through the fire, the refinement. So use us all in that way, God. 
We love you so much and you are so precious to us. Again, God, we wanna pray for all those that are experiencing any kind of brokenheartedness today. We ask that they just continue to lean into you, God. We love you. It's in the precious name of our King, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.